Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. As always, I've got an absolute cracker of a show for you today. We've got a very inspiring and motivating guest by the name of Michael Forbes. I'm going to let him tell you guys a bit about his story. Um, but we are you know, more than two weeks into 2019, and I know a lot of you have set some goals and New Year's resolutions um, on January 1st or maybe even before then, hopefully, if you've listened to this podcast. Uh, but I hope you're still going strong. If you're starting to struggle, um, you know, then maybe start look at writing down those daily goals if you're not already. Make sure you've reverse engineered your end results so you know where you want to be, but it's extremely important to have those steps put in place, a step-by-step plan of how you're actually going to get there because you know, a goal without a plan, as I've mentioned before, is just a dream. It's just a hope. It's just a wish, and it's not going to happen. So you need to figure out how to implement the steps that are actually going to get you there to achieve those goals um, and really crush it this year. And I hope you guys have been enjoying this podcast. We've got so much good content to come this year and today is no exception at all. Um, I absolutely love recording this episode. It's one I've wanted to share with you for a while and one that I've actually wanted to do for a while. Um, you know, Mike has also done a, a podcast episode on the Health Bloke podcast, which you can go back and have and listen to as well. Um, but for now, just sit back, really enjoy today's episode. If you do enjoy it, if you get some out of it if you get some inspirational motivation take a screenshot of the episode and post it up on your instagram story for me tag me i'd love to hear your feedback um, i really enjoyed it and i know you guys are going to as well so without further ado let's get stuck into the episode righto forbesy welcome to the show mate thank you pleasure to have you on i've been wanting to to record this one for a while so it's good to finally get it done brilliant you just finished your workout how was it i have indeed yeah not too bad today no pbs today but no um, pbs yeah, uh, good solid session. Got through it fairly quickly, so it was good. Fantastic. So in the intro, I, I've kept it pretty open um, about who you are. So what I want to do for the start of the show is actually get you to kind of give the listeners a bit of a rundown of, of who you are and um, a bit about yourself, um, and then we can have a bit of a chat. Yeah, no worries. Um, so 46, year, 46 years old. Um, been a quadriplegic for going well almost 11 years now. Yeah. Um, so I had my accident when I was 35. Uh, at the time, I was um, doing well in the workplace and uh, doing well in my chosen sport as well. Um, I was competing uh, in the professional ranks of triathlon over all distances and um, not so much to win, but to make sure that I was challenging myself. I was finding I was winning age group races and there wasn't yeah. a lot of point in that. Um, so I stepped up to the professional ranks just to, to really challenge, challenge myself. Challenge yourself, yeah. And it was a challenge, obviously, juggling that with a bit of family life and um, also work. But um, I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. So. Um, and what were you doing for work at the time? Uh, uh, high up at executive level uh, in IT. So Okay. Yeah, working working pretty hard, solid hours, fair bit of uh, interstate work as well at the time, and um, pretty sure. busy. It would have been pretty hard to juggle with um, triath- triathlon training as well, surely. Yeah, yeah, I worked out to do. Um, by the time you're 35, you've got a fair bit of um, cardio in the bank. 
Yeah. So um, I was actually doing a lot of gym training, just okay. using things like fit balls and free weights and just really working on core strength and then running and swimming, which you can do when you travel. But um, yeah, obviously taking your bike with you wherever you go isn't, isn't easy. Not ideal, so. is it? Yeah. But yeah, running and swimming is all, always available and um, a lot of work um, just doing core workouts in okay. the gym. And what initially got you into doing triathlons in the first place? Did you always, were you always kind of an athlete growing up as... Yeah, so I grew, grew up in the country as a swimmer. Okay. And um, I started umpiring... Whereabouts in the country? Uh, Wagga Wagga, New South okay. Wales. Yeah, right. So nice and hot. Yeah. Um, well, and cold in the winter, yeah. so a bit of both. It's the worst weather in the world, I reckon. Um, but yeah, so I uh, was in the swimming club there, which was fantastic. Absolutely loved it. And um, I started umpiring Australian rules football. Okay. And so with that came running. Yep. And living in the country, you ride everywhere to get around. Yeah. So I used to do that. Yep. So at the age of 18, there was... Uh, when was this? 1988. So, this is very much in the early days of triathlon <laughs> with the uh, with the Iron War and yep. whatever that went on. And yep. In um, Hawaii, it was really okay. just starting to take a foothold, and it was really, really popular in those years uh, as a startup in Australia, just because of our mm. lifestyle. Uh, so I went and did one and uh, was first out of the water and got flogged on the bike. Yeah. But then ran home pretty strongly and finished fifth overall in my first one at 18. So I thought, maybe I'm all right at this. Yeah, right. So I juggled um, juggled triathlon in the summer and umpiring Australian football in the winter, yeah. um, which was a great mix of always having something to look forward to. And I really just trained for triathlon and uh, that kept me fit enough for umpiring football and so was, so was this, the the swimming and the running your stronger points and the bike something you had to work on they were for the, years yeah until yeah. I moved to Melbourne okay. um, my cycling was terrible okay because uh, I swam all the time right. and I ran all yep. the time and I really just rode to get around and didn't know how to train on the bike it was only when I moved to Melbourne and joined some some groups and found some guys who were pretty good to yeah. latch on to latch on to yeah and I became a good cyclist as well. So. Yeah, cool. And so how many years had you been um, competing professionally before the accident? Uh, 15, yeah, about 15. Oh, right. Uh, well, probably six in the professional ranks. Yeah, right. And prior to that in the um, – so up to the age of about 28, 29, I was uh, really just poking around on the edge of it all. Yep. Um, Started taking it a bit more seriously after that. Well, I, d- I don't know that I ever took it seriously because to me it was all about – challenging myself yeah um, I wasn't competing against anyone but self ever yeah um, and yeah I guess that's why I stepped up to compete against guys who were better than me because I figured that that always you know pushed me a bit further do you reckon that carried across or might have been the other way around into the work life as well by the sounds of it you're like you said pretty high up so was it were you pretty motivated with that basically anything you did no quite quite the opposite to be really? honest to me Working was always a means to an end. Yeah. Um, I didn't didn't love it, but in the end, the the job that I had uh, when I had my accident, I, I was loving. It was a right. fantastic job. Just love the people involved in what yeah. I was doing, and um, yeah, it was it was a challenging role, and um, yeah, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed sort of taking my uh, happiness to work because I exercised in the morning and yeah it's a great way to start the day arrived at work with my hair on fire and annoyed all those coffee drinkers yeah (laughs) took till 10 o'clock to get started yeah (laughs) 
Now, mate, if you're happy to talk about it, do you want to tell us a bit about the accident and, and, and what actually happened and, and then I guess probably the weeks following it or the days following it? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so the day of the accident, I'd, I'd been working in Sydney that week and I flew home and um, my wife went out in the morning to do some exercise. We had a three-year-old child at the time, so it was still a bit of juggling to... Um, make sure that we both got exercise. So she went out first and I went out second. So I went and hit the road riding at about 10 o'clock. Okay, yeah. And um, the accident happened just before midday on my way home. Um, yeah, I was struck on my uh, right side by a passing truck, just knocked my hands off the handlebars, really, and out of control and I ran into the back of a park four-wheel drive. So I broke my neck, um, don't remember much of the next two or three weeks to be honest, I was a heavily heavily drugged in ICU yeah. and all the rest and then moved into the spinal ward, um, six weeks there and then you're another seven months in the rehabilitation hospital uh, over in Kew. So that's what it is and um, yeah, I obviously it was a bit of a reset, that's kind of how I looked at it was... I've got a new baseline to work from. Mm. Uh, before I was fit and I was working from that baseline, I just had a new one to work from. So it was a matter of working with what your body gave you back yeah. and getting it better and stronger. And it started with, to be honest, a little wiggle in the right big toe. How? Um, and so and that was so probably about week six. Week six. So from the moment where you kind of got to the point where you weren't having as many, I guess they weren't feeding with you as many drugs and you kind of were, did become aware of the situation you're in. What was your mindset like initially? And if it was bad, which I'm I'm assuming there definitely would have been times where it was, how did, what what changed it? Yeah, I, I kind of switched off that, those emotions that are extreme, yeah. you know, love and hate. Okay. Sort of switch those off and focus on just getting better every day. That's yeah. kind of how... That's how I looked at it, was every day was a day to just get a bit better than yesterday. Um, and yeah, I mean, it took me probably four or five weeks before I was even able to sit up in bed. Okay. And then another two before I was able to drive a, um, an electric wheelchair. Okay. So it's, you know, it's really slow going. Yeah. It took me six weeks before I was able to breathe on my own. And right. So you yeah, same thing, it's just exercises coming in, getting your diaphragm going, reminding yeah. your body how to do it and seeing if those muscles will wake up to give you that function. Yeah. Um, and that, that was the approach that I took and took me probably four or five months before I was able to stand up on my own and, um, and then it was a trip to the US where I had intensive rehab uh, post leaving the rehabilitation hospital that really kicked things along and I came back from there uh, three months after being over there able to walk on crutches. And, Unreal. And that just gave me the mindset I needed um, to look after myself. Yeah. Uh, keep keep the body moving, basically. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very different mentality when you come to the gym. You're, you're not coming here to smash yourself. You've just got to steadily... To make small Loosen step things forward. up and, yeah. and 
and do what you can to move and add exercises as as your body gives your function back. And initially was what was the what what did the doctors tell you initially? Well that is doom and gloom. They give you the mm. message that, you know, realistically you won't walk again, you won't do this, you won't do that. But um, I don't know. I, I didn't ever look at walking at, at, to start with. Yeah. It was a matter of wiggling the toe and then wiggling the next toe and yeah. moving the ankle and then seeing if my left leg would jump in and tag along as well. Mm. And, um, I just took that approach and then eventually it becomes realistic that you can walk. Yeah. Um, rather than say, I'm going to walk because you just don't know what your body's going to give you back. Yeah. I went through rehab with guys with as much, you know, desire and an effort into their rehab that I put in, but um, for whatever reason, their body didn't give them that function back. Okay, yeah. Um, so it gave, my body gave it to me back. It was a matter of using it as best I could. And how were the, what was the attitude of the people around you like? Like, was there certain people that um, you really took motivation or inspiration from each day to to keep moving forward on the days where it didn't feel as good? Yeah, it's family, really. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my wife was a trooper through that period, just boundless amounts of energy and um, getting into it. And then a three-year-old that you, you want to obviously get up and about and be yeah. involved in her life. So yeah. uh, not so much now. She's a teenager, but yeah. um, she doesn't want to borrow me now. Yeah. But I think that's all teenagers. <laughs> um, but, yeah, at the time, that was obviously the motivation. Um, it was a pretty easy motivation. I didn't need outside yeah. inspiration to do what I was doing. So fast forward 11 years from from when it happened, what are your, what are your kind of physical capabilities at the moment and where are you at with your rehab and training? Well, most importantly, I'm able to look after myself um, from the time. So I, I need someone to help me get up in the morning and someone yep. to help me to go to bed at night. But um, I'm able to look after myself from, you know, from, from 9 to 5. That, that's probably the biggest achievement. I'm able to drive a car and I'm able to hold down a part-time part-time job um, which is obviously you know good for the brain good for yeah good for just being involved in in the outside world to be honest yeah um, but yeah physically I'm able to ride a three-wheel bike which I get out on probably three times a week unreal and um, most importantly I'm able to do something which is uh, feels really good which is ski so which is uh, ski. ski yeah unreal you know, so I ride it Ride a sit ski and, and do that with the family. We have a ball, so fantastic. That's um, you know, as long as you've got a few things there that um, are good for the body and the mind, yeah. then then all the other crap that goes with the, this condition seems bearable. Seems bearable, yeah. And so, where do you? I know you've mentioned a few times now where it is kind of more just like a take each each step as it comes type of thing. But where do you see yourself in five to ten years' time? Like what? Hopefully, still ticking over. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got I've got sort of fun goals around. You got to pick goals with things that are fun, mm. and the the skiing is fun. Yeah. Um, but what's come with sort of being motivated to get better skiing is better arm function, better core function. Um, you probably see me in the gym doing a lot of movements on twisting. Yeah. And um, if you think about how simple movements in the gym, like you, you hop on a leg press, everything's up and down. Yeah, yeah, a lot exactly. of your movements are up and down, but the trick with this condition is to 
encourage all those muscles to move in different directions. Directions, yeah. Because that's what give you, gives you balance yep. in the end. Yeah, for sure. So that all of the exercises that I'm doing are for my fun exercise, which is skiing. Mm -hmm. But the wash off of that if, is, um, you know, I, I walked, I walked 31 steps with my physio, um, totally un, totally untouched. Really? And, and that's all from having a totally different goal. Yeah. Whereas if I'd had the goal to walk, I think it would have been pretty frustrating. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, as much as walking seems great, to me it's a bit of a party trick. Um, party trick. There, there's a lot of, you know, it's great for yeah. me to get around and yeah. easy for me to uh, transfer from place to place. But at the end of the day, there, there's other aspects of this condition which which drag it down. Yeah. Um, and make walking seem like a bit whoopee, to be honest. Okay. So you, people look from the outside and go, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And it is. But yeah. Um, yeah, there's other aspects to this condition which are, which sort of make it seem a bit whoopee. And when you're when you're at home, do you walk around with crutches? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm able to. I've got an assistance dog which helps me out because yeah. my arms are a bit rubbish, uh, and it means I'm able to move around the house and go from chair to chair and throw my crutches on the ground. Yep. Um, and when I need them, I can get my dog to pass them up to me Crazy. so I can grab them and walk again. Yeah, so, awesome. Yeah, but, you know, transferring from just one wheelchair to another, from one seat to another, from a wheelchair into a normal car seat to drive, all those things are, are really useful. Yeah, right. And what, what um, so how long have you had the, how long, how long have you been able to drive again? Uh, I've been driving now for I reckon it must be five years. Awesome. Might be six actually. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that would have been a good feeling. Yeah, it is. I, it's uh, it's a different feeling. So I, I steer with a joystick. Okay. And uh, I've got a normal foot brake, and then a hand accelerator. Okay. So it's a, it's a different sort of yeah. brain pattern. Yeah. You're dealing with. Um, but I've got used to it, and I just drive sensibly. I'm I'm not. Not at home. Yeah. You, you, you've got a, I've got a long wheelbase <laughs> diesel van. Yeah. And I just cruise. Cruise around. So, yeah, it's good. And it's the only way to do it. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, there are limitations to steering with a joystick that you can imagine, yeah. always have in the back of your mind. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, there's no there's no handbrake turns. <laughs> no handbrake turns? I haven't seen you slide into MSAC recently, actually. No, no, it's <laughs> just toddling. Yeah, toddling. Um, now, with your with the nutrition side of things, was that important? Was there an importance placed on on what you're eating or you know, what type of macronutrients, whether it be protein, carbohydrates, fats, um, in the recovery process, and even now? Yeah, it, it was interesting because when I because I was initially fed by nasal gastric tube, okay, because I didn't have the muscles to swallow, um, and while that was the case, I went from seventy kilos down to fifty three. So right. it's quite a bit of weight loss. Yeah, it is. So I was a bit skeletal, and um, but yeah, once once I started eating, the the things that I craved mostly were um, uh, proteins and yeah, just okay. to build things back up again. Yeah. And I ate a lot of fish. Just loved yeah. it. for whatever reason, I was craving stuff like salmon and, right. and you know. So I'd mix salmon with pasta and and whatever, and eat eat a lot of that stuff. Cool. Um, I think. The number one thing, because um, the hardest thing with quadriplegia is just putting on weight, because mm. there's there's no real way to burn. Yeah, to burn correct. Yeah. Um, 
Have you ever? Uh, I don't yeah, know. So you... I just haven't put on weight. I've made sure that I've kept my weight pretty good. Yeah. And I hover at about sixty to sixty-two kilos now. Okay. Have you ever worn like a, whether it be a Fitbit or whatever, to see how much energy you expend in one of your sessions in here? It's interesting because um, one of the quadriplegia affects what's called your autonomic nervous system. Yeah. So that that's the ability of muscles and organs in your body to react to what you're doing to do the right thing. Right. So my heart rate doesn't go up very much. It, it hovers at between 60 and 75. Even after a hard, you know... Doesn't move. Hard set. Um, so that's interesting. And so I battle low blood pressure. So um, yeah, so that that's what happens if you exercise too hard. You just get really faint. Right. So the other that's thing really is your, your body doesn't sweat, so you can't. Okay. You can't sort of. So you can overheat. I guess you probably get probably overheat, overheat. Overheat really quick. Right. So today, day like thirty three degrees. Mm. Um, Higher risk of overheating. That's right. So I went to hop on the treadmill to walk today, but it was right next to the window. So okay. Three degrees outside, just hopped straight off. Yeah. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's what I mean. There's other yeah, yeah. aspects to it that need to be managed. Yeah. But you know, the rowing machine was under the fan, so yeah, good result. Gave that a good crack. Yeah. Um, what do you still are you still involved in any of the triathlon stuff now? Are you still do you still enjoy watching it, or do you no, get down and watch any races? I, I've got to be honest; I couldn't care less about okay. yeah. about it. Um, not for any real reason, but um, just yeah, not not overly interested in what. It's, it's not a great spectator sport, put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. True. <laughs> Unless you're just waiting yeah, at the finish line, I guess. I mean, I, I love the feeling of doing it. Though when you when you took off on the run after riding, you know, pretty hard, and your legs are good, and you. And you you take off running and you're running good pace. You know, mm. my body shouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. And that, to me, was the ultimate feeling of triathlon. Yeah. My body shouldn't be able to do this, but it do is. Do what you're doing, yeah. yeah. Is there, what sports do you enjoy watching now? Or is there, what are your uh, kind of hobbies outside of training and, and work and, and rehab stuff? Yeah, so look, I, I do watch a bit of live sport. So I love the cricket. Yeah. Um, the footy in winter and, um, the NBA basketball, I watch any game that an Aussie's Man. playing. Oh, yeah? So yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty fired up to see how we go in the next Olympics in the oh, basketball. Oh, so am I. I can't wait. So the, just the way the team looks, we've got every position nicely covered. So looks very good, doesn't it? I'll, Hopefully I'll, we can keep everyone healthy and that's right. see and, how we go. And I, and I think they've got the right sort of people in there to get those who may not otherwise be keen. Mm-hmm. Quite keen. So exactly right. If we can build think, a bit of chemistry, then I think Delhi and Joe Ingalls would be pretty keen to fire up. Yeah, it'd be good if we can get Simmons and Exum and all those guys in. Absolutely, and, and the big Thon Maker and yeah. there's a few. It should be good. It's exciting, isn't it? So yeah, I just um, I, I watch a bit of that to fall, yeah. fall asleep at night. To be honest, there's yeah. always a game. Yeah, there's plenty of games on, isn't there? Always a game during <laughs> the day that Aussie's playing. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, and I know you're a Swan supporter, so. Lloydie, if you're listening, Lloydie was in here not long ago. He came up and said g'day. But um, you, how long have you been following the Swans? Uh, well, Life. my following of the Swans is interesting because I started umpiring. Well, I umpired in Wagga and I went up to uh, to do university in Sydney. So okay. I was umpiring in Sydney. And this is in the 90s when the Swans were just rubbish. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, and I, I remember uh, being emergency umpire one game. I think Swans were playing Fitzroy. Okay, cool. And and the, the official crowd popped up at 3,000. Right. And I reckon there's no way there were 3,000 yeah. people there. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I ended up doing some work with the Swans as cool. um, I'd go out with a player as and run the development programs at schools right. and stuff while okay. I was at uni. Oh, cool. Um, and then from that, they found out that I was a pretty good runner and they really couldn't afford a... Um, couldn't afford a trainer to take the midfield as running. Right. So um, I ended up jumping in with them and, and taking the midfielders and not not coaching them but leading yeah. the run sessions. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, so when I moved to Melbourne, obviously I, I knew all the guys. Yeah. Um, and just followed them and it, it kind of went from there. That's great. So um, that's my connection to the Swans and being a New South Welshman, they've got to yeah. jump on board and stick up for them a bit. How do you reckon they'll go this year? Uh, I don't mind, really. Um, I don't mind. You, you, yeah. know, you follow a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What will be, will be. Exactly right. Um, I enjoy the fact that the academy's in there and, and they're supporting New South Wales players playing for you know a club in their state because mm. I think it'll give them a bit of longevity. Awesome. Uh, is there any, any specific goals for 2019? Uh, I want to ski independently. So at the moment, I ski with um, guides behind me holding uh, ropes or okay. tethers, yeah, uh, just to make sure I don't kill anyone. Really, is that just to control the speed? Yeah, yeah and to help right. me help me um, stop or out of trouble if yeah. I'm losing a bit of control. Yeah. But my aim is to let go of those ropes, even if it's just on super runs. So that's, where do you usually that's ski? Uh, ski at Mount Buller in Australia. And um, Banff in Canada. Awesome. Over two I want to go there. Locations. Just had a friend who's going there. It looks, looks awesome. Jump on board. We're going in April. Yeah. I reckon, I reckon I'll need a few lessons. I'll, I'll be no good, I reckon. I might need someone to hold me so I don't really kill anyone as well. <laughs> well, Forbesy, thanks for coming on the show today, mate. I reckon people are going to really enjoy the episode. So um, I really appreciate you coming on. No problems. Guys, if you've enjoyed the episode, um, which I know you will have, make sure you take a screenshot of the show today and post it up on your Instagram story and tag me. I'd love to get your feedback on the show and um, I'll be sure to pass it on to Forbesy. Awesome, mate. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day, guys.